0: Welcome to the podcast for Accrual World, where we offer financial insights for people who love life more than money. Welcome to the Accrual World podcast. Here with me today is Rochelle Coverson. Hi Rochelle. Hi. Tell me a little about yourself.
1: Okay. So I am uh, 43, uh, live in Tacoma, Washington with my husband and I was in banking for 14 years where I started as a teller and eventually worked my way up to help high net worth clients with their banking, um, investing needs. I was Seven licensed and their mortgage needs. So I know a lot about finances because I help people with theirs, but I didn't always take care of my own the way I help them with theirs, <laughs> which I think is what we're gonna get into today. Yes,
0: for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I always talk about. Uh, do you ever play Mario Kart?
1: Yes, Back I Back in the day, whenever yeah. I talk
0: about the, the financial people's actual financial choices, I always talking about as you know, when someone starts playing Mario Kart, uh, I tell them not to use the Bowser or the Donkey Kong characters because they're too heavy and hard to drive. But if you're, if you're an expert, you can do those things. If yeah. you're just starting out, be like Mario or be a Toad or someone who drives yeah. easy. And so I like to think of it that way. We're, we're advanced in our financial knowledge, so we're driving the Bowser uh, car and we can do whatever we want, but that's not how it actually works.
1: No, unfortunately it doesn't.
0: We want to kick things off just talking about the stigma of talking about money uh, and also related to the idea that no one seems to know what they're doing with their money, but we all seem to walk around pretending like we do. Mm. Uh, Do you think that's true?
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think it's, money has a lot of shame that's associated with it. Um, I think we all feel like we can be doing more or better, but yet we're embarrassed to talk to people to find out how we do better with our finances. Um, It's something that's always been private. And I don't know, my parents didn't really talk about money or teach me about money, but I learned some good habits and bad from watching them. I mean, we learn how to use our money based on what our parents do. Um, But it's not something a lot of people feel comfortable speaking or talking about and having open conversations about it. And even with some of my closest friends, that's one topic that's still pretty taboo.
0: And on the other hand, there are more payday lending services and check cashing mm-hmm. services than there are McDonald's, and we know that half of the country can't handle a $400 unexpected expense which mm-hmm. happens all the time, and a lot of people that are at retirement age do not have really anything or nearly mm-hmm. enough in savings, so clearly there's a need for us to, and there's a lot of reasons beyond financial yeah. knowledge that those things are happening, but. Uh, clearly we could be doing better with our money. It there probably is not helping us to not be talking about it and to uh, we're probably more uh, subject to peer pressure if we think everybody else is doing well when in reality they're struggling too.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly. And I think you also feel like, I mean, I have been at a point in my life where um, I was helping people and advising them on how to handle their money and I'm talking a half a million or more And they're coming to me for advice, but at the same time, I was struggling. I had a mortgage that I couldn't afford. I was living beyond my means. I would have expense come up and I had to go to one of those payday lenders. And here I'm like, I know this is wrong, but I feel like I have no other choice and I'm embarrassed to tell people I need help because I have overspent. And you know, it's just, um, you're just embarrassed. And you feel like okay, I should be doing better, but you don't want to talk to anyone. You don't want to seek help. You um, feel like you're so beyond help. So then you kind of ignore it. I mean, I would be like, oh, if I just don't look at it, will it go away? Unfortunately, it doesn't. <laughs> Unfortunately, it just grows and gets worse. And so you finally have to be honest with yourself and acknowledge that you've made some mistakes. And then you have to get serious about it. And you have to be willing to make some tough choices it's just like when you want to go on, you want to lose weight are you really going to stop you know eating out or start eating the things that you don't really enjoy or going to the gym it it's that same commitment it's a choice every purchase every day um and it's a lot of work it's taxing to do that it's taxing to make a lifestyle change and a behavior change with your finances
0: i still remember when i was 22 and I was driving a garbage truck around, $15 an hour, and uh, chose to buy a truck in the winter and I had a little Hon- little red mm-hmm. Honda Civic and for some reason I was embarrassed that I was driving around a little car from honest with myself. <laughs> so I bought a cool truck that I couldn't really afford and then it had a mechanical problem and I remember taking it to the mechanic and having him quote me the price and then, and then um, realizing there wasn't enough uh, capacity on my credit card to make that payment, mm-hmm. and I remember that feeling of what am I going to do and that shame, and I think I, th- I, think I sold something and used mm-hmm. that to pay off the card and then maxed out the card mm-hmm. to get the truck back and then kind of got out of it a little bit later, but I remember the shame and the panic of, yeah. of that time, and it carried over because about eight, eight, seven, eight years later, I remember getting laid off when uh, we had a toddler, and my wife was eight months pregnant, and we were a one-income household, one-income house, and had a mortgage, and I got laid off, and and I remember being obviously really worried, but because of that shame and that stigma, couldn't talk to anybody about it. Just had to, we and we got through that time, uh, but it probably would have been much. My 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 wife looks back now and says, you know, I kept it from you, but I realized how much you were struggling then, mm-hmm. um, and you're different now than you were then. You know, fortunately, I got mm-hmm. through it, but it probably would have been less stressful on my family and a little easier time if there weren't that stigma, and I could talk about it.
1: Yeah, I was just talking with a friend today who um, had shared with me um, he had actually come over here illegally, and then they went through the process of getting him legalized, and just that was a huge investment for them. And they were just sharing this story, and they've been married 13 years, and it's probably been a good 10 years, and it's the first time I've heard this story, and she was. He was talking about a point where they had no money, literally no money. And she has three kids and um, just the expense of going through all that paperwork. She didn't know if they were going to have enough food to feed the kids. And I thought, this is one of my best friends. I never knew this. And if she would have told me, I would have been the first one to help her. But we just don't talk about it. And I was so disappointed that someone who I've known, you know, since high school, couldn't even share that with me, that couldn't tell me I'm, I've am i fallen on hard, or not even fallen on hard times. We just had to pay out a lot to get you know my husband here and um, legally, and we just need help. You know, that's sad.
0: And it's weird, we have this kind of uh, borrow a cup of sugar uh, imagery from like back mm-hmm. in the day, which isn't a financial thing, it's a convenience thing, but it, sh- it should be that simple for most yeah. of us. Just, hey, I'm a short this month, can I get a little bit of help or do you have some, you know, some food I could, you know, yeah. borrow? But it is an incredibly shameful. I failed. I can't make my bills this month or I'm struggling this month and and then you end up on on the offer up or next door neighbor or yeah. something like that looking for for help and and doing it in like a shameful way.
1: Well, and they even talk about, you know, what doesn't go. You don't mix friends and money. I mean, even family and money is touchy. And it's it's really unfortunate because I think um, we don't create a environment and a dialogue to help people and to know, okay, if I lend you fifty dollars today, okay, realistically, if you're falling on hard times, you're probably not gonna be able to give me that fifty dollars back next pay period. Maybe you can, but the chances are you aren't. So why don't we come up with a realistic plan? or, hey, why don't um, maybe you can help me out with something? or maybe I have you, pay me back in a year or $5 a month or you know, like we don't try to be um, realistic about when they can pay it back and actually try to come up with something that makes both people feel empowered and not feel guilt and shame around it. And then maybe you can't pay me back next month. And then we don't have a relationship when I I didn't go into it with realistic expectations to begin with.
0: Um, that being said, my dad co-signed my one of my student loans, and that was a higher interest loan than the other ones, but that was the first one I paid off. I got that thing knocked <laughs> out as soon as I could, because that, uh, that would not have been good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, yeah I, I think that we need to start having this conversation. I'm so glad you asked me to be part of it, because um, some of my friends and family are going to listen to this and hear things that they've never heard before as well. And I hope that this is the beginning of conversation with them, and with more people. And I hope to share this because I think it's something that um, is important to have. And I think we need to remove the shame of finances. Everyone has struggled at some point in their life. And I and I talk to people about this all the time. Um, you know, I when I got out of school, I was working for the bank, so I was making great money. And I was, you know, rose up the corporate ladder. I was making a lot of money traveling, not really investing it the way I should have or saving um, because I wasn't, I I didn't really see a lot of savings growing up. It was kind of like spend what you have. So I did that. Um, So you're American. Yeah, exactly. And then I got laid off and I sold my house. So I went from, you know, having this great job traveling like, every couple months, um, you know, having two cars, to basically selling everything and living in an apartment. And then I went to living with a friend. And then I went to living with my sister and having everything in storage. And it was really humbling. Um, It was a little embarrassing. And I was going to school at the time I went back for my bachelor's. So I justified it to myself of like, well, I'm going back to school. So it's okay. But I realized that everyone at some point in their life, you're going to struggle, you're going to be at the bottom. It's going to happen to you at some point in your life, it's just a matter of when. So for me, it didn't happen to me when I was 19, 20, when all my friends were going to college and living on Top Ramen. It happened to me at 36. Yeah, and let's talk a little bit
0: about why it happens. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. odd that it's something we're so ashamed of talking about, but the world is more. Finances are more complex, mm-hmm. and everything is more expensive. So, in that scenario, you would think we'd be more comfortable with people just not knowing what they're doing or having a hard time getting by. I mean, people are. Most people seem to be month to month, mm-hmm. even when you have that regular income. And getting laid off, it's hard to get a job that pays what you did before. That isn't a very long driving distance and completely mm-hmm. disrupts your whole life, right? And it takes a long time to get a, another decent job. So getting laid off or getting fired certainly is a major disruption that you can't afford. Um, housing is crazy expensive. Mm-hmm. Health insurance is crazy expensive if you have it at all. Um, having a car is more expensive. And then rent or a mortgage is brutally expensive and most of us that are under 40 or 50 have student loans. I still mm-hmm. have student loans oh, yeah. in 30s, I have 35. student loans. So when So when you have all of these expenses and you have to have a very good income and maintain a good income just to make your expenses every month and things like getting let off are often out of your control like Mm -hmm. of course and no one understands credit scores Like your credit score dictates so much of your life now but no one really knows how your credit score is most people don't know how your credit score is calculated or all the ways that it affects you or how to keep it up or when it's okay to let your credit score go down so Mm -hmm. we shouldn't be embarrassed by this really complex system um, and then everyone's talking about interest rates and long-term interest rates. now all of a sudden everyone has to be uh, a, a lay economist to try to, <laughs> to try to just pay your bills every month and make yeah. sure you can pay your bills in a year or two. and that's and in that context, let's just be okay with the fact that we don't know what we're doing and I've been doing the. I've been doing case management and nonprofit work for fifteen years. I've been doing the financial coaching for three, and I can tell you, no one knows what they're doing with their money. People that have lots of money exactly. waste a lot of it because they don't have to worry about. They know what they're doing with their money the least because exactly. they can afford not to.
1: Yeah, I saw pe- that firsthand. Totally,
0: and people that are low income know what they're doing with their money the most day-to-day because they got to pay attention to where every dollar is going but they're having a hard time getting ahead of these complex systems mm-hmm. and overcoming the it's expensive to be poor dynamic when you might be subject maybe you're stuck with a high rent and can't mm-hmm. pull together the more the money to get a mortgage or to get to put the get the down payment on a uh, the first and last month's rent on a better apartment and things like that
1: yeah it's so true I think that one of the things that feeds into that as if when you were talking I thought, we have so many tools to manage our money. I mean, there's you can get an app that will do your budget for you and tell you where every penny is going, and most of your bank accounts have that feature now where they can tell you where every, um, every dollar's gone, where before you'd have to sit down and you'd have to balance your bank statement and see where everything went. Um, I think we have more tools, but it makes us less aware of our money, and it's the same thing with debit cards. And I know something for me, when I have my debit card, yeah, it's swipe, swipe, I don't know, how much do I spend, I'll have to go back and look at the end of the week, and I'll be like, whoa, I spent $200 this weekend, on what, you know, I went to Target, and maybe we went out to dinner, but it doesn't really impact me. And so one thing that we've been doing um, is we started using cash, and I think that's why a while back, people were really aware of what they were doing with their money because it was tangible. It was in front of them. Even when you had to sit down and balance your bank account, you were looking at those numbers. Now everything does it. You kind of look and say, okay, I still have money in my account. Let's go. But you're not really really taking the time to look at your budget and spend time with it, or you're not taking the time to like, when you had to write out a check. You were aware if you were writing $1,329. I mean, you were writing that out and it was registering of, okay, wow, I'm really spending this much money and now I got to put it up in my bank, um, you know, balance it and how much money do I have left? Like, it was such a visual process and even using cash, you know, do I want to break this 100 for that $5 item? Probably not, you know. But if you have your debit card, you just swipe and you don't think about it. And you have these tools that tell you, oh, here's how much you're spending. You're like, okay, I still have money. I'm good. So I think it's almost hurt us in a way because we're not in touch with our money. Like we're, we're, It's not tangible to us anymore.
0: I have complete respect for people that can actually do that. And uh, <laughs> that's awesome that you can. I know I was not able to stick to that system in part because it, it's hard to keep a majority of your costs fixed so yeah. that you can do cash for everything else, right? So every year, my we buy my wife's. Uh, we have private. We have to buy private health insurance for my wife. Well, that has gone up every year. Our property taxes have gone up every year. You know, we have a. My kids are in preschool, and the, what the, the costs associated with that mm-hmm. change every year, and you know the diapers change to a food thing, and then pet things, and a car breaks down. It felt like our. Costs and because of things like property taxes, even the mortgage goes mm-hmm. up every year. So it was so hard to keep our fixed costs in place that there were just too many things. And so we fortunately make enough that we funnel everything through our credit card mm-hmm. and our debit account, and then just keep keep an eye on them. And if we're close of to if we're at risk of going into debt on the credit card, we either um, try to pick up an extra gig somewhere to keep mm-hmm. that from happening, uh, or try to reduce expenses somewhere. But
1: yeah, it's hard and. Um, I'm not good at at it with everything. So for me, I don't want to have to walk in and pay for my gas on, you know, with cash. And that's just an inconvenience. And (laughs) a lot of the issues we have with finances are because we don't want to be inconvenienced. Um, But for just going out to eat or, you know, we, my husband's the same way. He's like, I don't want to deal with cash. I mean, he's always been great about putting everything on his credit card, paying it off, and he tracks it. I am not as good as, as he is at that. Like I need, um, you know, give me $200 and this is what I can use for going out, for coffee, for all of that. I'm more likely to save it and be aware of it than if it's, you know, if I just swipe my debit card, I'm more likely to go over because I don't keep track of it as much. But for our fixed bills, you know, our mortgage and all of that, um, we do pay that automatically and we kind of have that set. But I also struggle in just those miscellaneous items. I mean, I'm a girl, okay? So this month, I just happened to run out of everything. You know, my face makeup and my, you know, shampoo. And I mean, by the time I add up all that, that's like $200 that I haven't even accounted for. Or I can go to Target and buy a birthday present and cleaning supplies and walk out $100 later with four items. And I that is that is probably the biggest budgeting pitfall for me It's, you know, I have everything else budgeted. It's those miscellaneous, those things you're not expecting, those trips to the grocery store where you walk out and think, how did I just spend $300 and what did I get? You know, that's, I feel like that's the pitfall when it comes to budgeting, and that's where I fail.
0: I know when we do our Costco trips and they're telling everything up, I'm thinking in my head like, wait, what hit is this going to be? This is it going to be like a $200 bill? Oh, we got $380 of things today. Oh, yeah. all right. That'll be fun to see on the, on the bill later.
1: Yeah. The sweatshirt that you saw. And then,
0: you know. That's just $15. I can do that. And then, exactly. Oh, I did that eight times. Oops. <laughs>
1: yeah, it adds up. But yeah, I've... For, you know, we have our little fun money um, and that has helped having that as cash. I wish we could do more in cash because I have a friend that does that and she's very, um, you know, she's able to stick to her budget and I've always just asked her like, how do you do that? But she really plans and especially the grocery store, we did do it when we were grocery shopping and I can tell you, I made different choices. Mm -hmm. I didn't just throw stuff in the cart when I knew I only had $200 cash on me I started adding up everything I put in. And I, and for us, the grocery store was, um, when we did our budget, we were spending like five, $600 a month. And we're like, what? it's just two of us. What are we buying at the grocery store? Um, and so having cash when we went to the grocery store helped us not throw in those little extra items that maybe we wanted um, because we are like, okay, we budgeted $100 this month or you know, this week. So do I really need those you know, um, Starbucks refresher drinks and <laughs> I, you know, all those little things that you would throw in if you're just gonna swipe your card.
0: Well now we're in one of those um, uh, shame experiences. Now I, I, I find myself with that feeling of oh no, I'm, want, I'm not one of those noble cash envelope budgeting people. I'm just a lowly look at my credit card, hope I don't spend too much every month people. I'm a lesser financial guru. <laughs>
1: I'm in the middle. No, I am not one of those people. I wish I could be that person too. And I admire that person. Um, And, you know, confession, I I go back and forth. There's times where, you know, we're really good with our budget and then we get off. And it'll be a couple months because we get busy. I think being busy um, can really hurt you. And you have to, just like when you have to, if you don't make your meals and plan your meals for the week or your lunch there's really, you know, you're more likely to be like, oh, I don't have any food, I need to go out. It's the same thing with your budget. If you don't plan out where your money's going when you get paid, like, right away, or, you know, do it once a month and really map it out and then looking at those things that pop in, um, I feel like you can really get off track fast. And then it's hard to get caught up because you just don't make it a priority to set time and look at it. I think budgeting is really personal, and for some people, like my husband, he's like you, he's really great about doing it on the credit card. I would be horrible. That's just, I am horrible about that. I need that cash, I need that discipline. Um, But I'm not always good about it because we get busy and then we fall off our budget and then a couple months goes by and we think, wow, we haven't really saved anything. And then we get serious again. Well,
0: that's something I've seen related to the the tired issue is when you have uh, multiple jobs, which most people seem to do now, Mm -hmm. and I've had at least two jobs for as long as i can remember uh just to be able to help keep us from going to debt every month especially when we okay. started our family it's easier to just spend money on the few extra things it really eats into the extra income because you get that fatigue mm-hmm. it's like i can't do another job of tracking all my expenses like you know i'm going to re- re- reward myself a little bit for making that extra two hundred dollars you know this week i'll allow mm-hmm. myself to get that twenty dollar thing or that fifty dollar thing and those those types of things add up where i'm going to eat out or get some coffee while I'm out doing the thing mm-hmm. that is making some extra money. And, and then also you that discipline is hard to maintain too.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: it seems like everyone's working in the gig economy in addition to their main job.
1: Yeah, I know even when I was a personal banker, a couple of things that I would recommend to people, again, much better at telling people what to do than doing it myself, um, is you know right when you get your paycheck, I, I know the day I get paid, I try to go in and pay all the bills that I'm aware of. Um, just to get the money out of my account so it doesn't, I don't spend it. The other thing is talking about savings right away. So setting up an automatic or automatically transferring that money so that it's technically gone. And then I am one of those people, there were people that would always balance their checkbook and I'm the type of person that looks at what I have in my account, knows what's come out or what my automatics are and then kind of use that as, okay, this is what I have available. Um, But I do think if you can set up I think savings and retirement are so important. I always tell people set up your retirement, have it come out of your paycheck, so you don't even start living off that. And when you get a pay raise, increase your 401k immediately because you're not gonna then you're not gonna start living beyond your means. You never want to increase your retirement once you've been living off something um, like one amount of money. But when you get a pay raise, that's a great time to increase it by one percent because you've gotten a raise. Hopefully, it's a little bit more than that. Um, and so it's easier. You're still going to get a little extra money, and your retirement's going to benefit. But also setting up an automatic. Um, sometimes you can do that through your payroll, where a portion, like two hundred dollars, automatically goes to a separate savings account. I have it at a separate bank because I don't need to pull, like, look into my account and be like, oh, well, if I'm a little short, sure, I can just pull it from savings and transfer it. I need it away. Um, so sometimes those are good. Tips where, if you're not going to be religious about budgeting, at least you get that money, um, you put it away first. Like you save right away. And then, you know, if you're the type that just looks at your account and lives off that, at least you know, okay, I've already saved my money, I paid my bills. If I spend this, it's probably okay.
0: And, And full disclosure, uh, up until really this month, my wife and I had not been saving anything for the last two years, mm-hmm. and I'll, and I'll explain why. We uh, our financial plan. So we've been worried for a long time about, especially doing the nonprofit work and the salaries that come with nonprofit mm-hmm. work. And we live in one of the most expensive and quickly gentrifying communities in the country. Uh, we were concerned about. We knew we wanted to start a family, and we want to try to have at least one of us home with the kids. Mm-hmm. Just a value to us that we want yeah. to be able to live out. How do we how do we provide a home like buy a house for them and we had student loans to deal with so how do we pay off our student loans or at least maintain our student loan payments mm-hmm. and save money for a down payment for a mortgage and get through that time of probably having just one income and a mortgage and student loan payments when we have our when our kids are young and not in school mm-hmm. um, and part of that plan which we' which we're now working we have a home, and, just, and, then, and our plan was actually thrown out the window a little bit because we joined the Peace Corps for three years in our mid-20s and burned through our savings to, mm-hmm. s- to pay for us to live in the capital and do national projects. So we came back with nothing in our late 20s, but we managed to buy a home, got both of us through our master's degrees and still have, you know, not insignificant student loans today um, and have our mortgage. And my wife works part-time now, but um, very part-time and is home with the kids mostly. Uh, and one of the things that has been a trade off is savings. Now I just started saving recently because I was offered matching 401k Mm. contributions. That is worth it enough that it's free money so I'm I'm maxing out the contributions. But in, other, than the, other than matching contributions, I haven't put anything in a 401k for two years, which I know is going to be a hit later. But for me, it was a, it was worth it or has been worth it to achieve the other financial goals, which in okay. the context of this podcast is the whole point of the accrual world model is to say, what are your life goals and make financial decisions that help you attain those life goals rather than just be led around by money forever.
1: And I think that's important because, yeah, there's times I haven't saved as much and there's times I didn't even have money to save. I mean, I, there was times I was doing my budget and what I, what was going out was more than what was coming in. And I know those are the times where you need to budget the most, but honestly, those are the times where you don't want to look at it because you think the numbers don't work. Why would
0: I depress myself? Yeah, it's yeah. Much more <laughs> Yeah,
1: this is, this seems impossible. Um And it was hard to get serious. And and, and that meant making some sacrifices, like I said. Um, But I also think that you brought up a good point in that knowing how to get free money. And so obviously, yeah, if they do a match, that's free money, why wouldn't you take advantage of that? But the other thing is student loans. I mean, I have a ton of student loans my poor husband, who was such a saver and has no student loans, <laughs> that is our new savings plan. Um, it's <laughs> my student loans for undergrad and graduate. But I know there's a lot of resources, and I am willing to research it, but a lot of people don't. And so now we're on an income-based payment plan for our mortgage because we also both work at nonprofits. And, for your mortgage? Uh, I'm sorry, loans, for our yeah. student loans. Yeah, thank you. Um, for our student loans. So we researched that, which... My student loan was going to be like over $800 that's like a rent payment but I was able to get it down to 600 based on our income so there are ways out there and that's why I think it's so great that you're you know educating people on there's a lot of resources and you just need to sometimes someone can help you walk through that and say hey have you looked at this did you know if you work for a nonprofit, after 10 years you can do the public service forgiveness Doesn't always apply, but there are resources out there, Um, but it takes time. And most of us are so busy, we don't even know, like what you said, we don't know what we don't know. And then we don't know who to talk to about it or, you know, how do we even go about looking into that? And because we're so busy. So I think, you know, just having a conversation about this and thinking about a budget, usually people decide, okay, I'm going to take the time to figure this out. And then once you get it set up, it, it kind of works on its own. So you have someone help you and look at, okay, you have student loans, have you looked at this? Or you, you have a 401k, you're not utilizing it, at least do 3% because they match 3%. Or, you know, let's get a little bit in savings just so you have a buffer. Or let's look at your car payment. Or, you know, just like helping you look at your budget. Um, and then once it starts, you know, like you get a plan in place, then you can look at it maybe every year, you know, if nothing changes and it's kind of staying on course. And maybe in a year, you're like, wow, actually, I'm almost done paying off that credit card. And now what do I want to do with that money? Um, but I think it's just taking the time and working with someone because you can do it yourself, but there's a lot of resources you don't know. And maybe you don't have the time to research and know what your options are. So I think it's really great when you can sit down with someone. Who understands this and who knows where to look who knows what services are out there for them uh, or for you to help um, just maximize you know like your retirement or what your savings or get you the best interest rate you know some people don't even think about that stuff because they don't know what their options are
0: yeah the other consideration for us for student loans was and saving was is it worth, and we'll talk about this in a future mm-hmm. podcast episode about um, saving and, and student loans, things like that, but we felt it was better to, if we had extra income, to pay down our student loans rather than to put more in the 401k. Now, in the long term, yeah, maybe the 401 so we have all federal student loans, mm-hmm. so it's roughly 6% is where our graduate mm-hmm. student loans are. Well, maybe a financial plan, a retirement plan will grow at more than 6% over that time. Maybe it won't, but we felt like the difference, even if the if the retirement account grew faster than the mm-hmm. student loans accumulate interest we feel like the risk of paying down our student loans just to our immediately immediate family situation if we can get the student loans down a little bit mm-hmm. and we were to lose a job or something mm-hmm. happened we'd be in a little bit better situation versus you know ret- I guess you could pull money out of your retirement account although you pay a huge yeah, penalty. tax penalty so that's not really worth it anyway
1: well and um, when you're talking about your retirement account so many people will contribute to their retirement account and I have some people who are great friends, and their parents are really savvy with investments. And come to find out, their all their money that they're putting was was like sitting in a money market savings, mm-hmm. making nothing. Um, you know, I see people who will ha- put money into a Roth and maybe a CD for two percent. Mm-hmm. So people will be good about okay, I need to you know contribute to my retirement account, but then they don't look at the different options that are there. And you know, that again, utilizing your resources, most of your retirement um, companies will sit down with you and do a plan about how to invest, you know, a little more risky up front, and then you get, but you're right, if you are just putting that money into your retirement and then it's sitting in a money market, you're right, paying down your student loans is probably the best thing for you right now because it's gonna decrease your monthly expenses and eventually, maybe you can put more money away and start investing that money but yeah you have to make sure that just because you think you're doing a great thing did you really make sure that that money is working for you or did you just get it into the account but now nothing's happening
0: and we with our student loans we also instead of the income based repayment we set our federal loans mm-hmm. one of the one of the options you can do with federal loans is do a up to 24 month repayment just to get your monthly payments down Mm -hmm. if you're at a time of lower income. And since we're in the middle of, like my kids are two and four, so we are in the middle of, hopefully, is gonna be the lowest income stage of our lives uh, and higher expenses, and later when they're in school and we have two incomes again, then the plan is to then pay off the student loans faster. Um, Now obviously there's a lot of like plans go awry all the time, and this is is why we set up the accrual world uh, kind of platform to begin with, was but there is no not making the choices option. You have to weigh these types of things. If you, do, if you want to incre- if you want to take the risk of potentially increasing your income, and you got an education, you got to take out a debt to get. You got to take out a loan and take on some pretty severe debt. Usually, uh, even if you do it smartly, to get that education to increase your income, everything about your financial lives is a gamble mm-hmm. in some way or another. And so that was the gamble that we took, was let's minimize, let's make those, our goal is to invest in the long-term assets that we knew we needed, that we wanted to invest in, a home and our um, graduate school educations to maximize our ability to, to increase our income while they were relatively cheaper back in the day than waiting 20 years to get them. Yeah. Uh, and then to minimize our expenses while we had little kids with the hope that when the kids get into school we have two moderate incomes again and they can pay them the cost of some of those assets. Whether or not that was a smart idea compared to, compared to other things, who knows? But that is that was the plan that we made and we're sticking there, we've been following it.
1: Well, and I think it is the right thing if it's a plan. I mean, you guys have a plan and you're working that plan and you're sticking to it. And that's the thing, you know, we can't say, oh, you should do this and not that because everyone's, um, what they want out of their future is different. Uh, what they're willing to sacrifice is different. What their priorities are and what they value is different. And so I think as long as you're thinking about it, it, it means it's – I want to say, then you're doing the right thing because that's all. is If you have the information and you make a decision, that's your decision. And you have to live with it. And if you're okay with it, then it's great. Um, I think we so often just think everyone needs to uh, pursue the same path. And it doesn't work out that way. I mean, some people – could care less about owning a house. They just wanna travel the world. And um, honestly, I was one of those people and I still am. Um, I should have been saving, but for me, traveling and getting that experience of travel was well worth it. And my grandpa would always be like, you need to be saving more. And I'd say, you know what? I'd rather have memories that I have the rest of my life and experiences that have enriched me um, and exposed me to different cultures then have ten thousand dollars today in the bank because I'm not super motivated by that. I want enough money to survive and you know be able to do the things and I want to do, but I don't feel like I want a million dollars in my bank account when I retire. My husband is a little different, and we've been talking about that because um, you know I have I, I'm not driven by money that way. It affords me to do the things that I'm passionate about, and traveling is one of those, but. I don't have that magic number of like, okay, when I have a million dollars, we're going to retire. I don't want a million dollars because you know what, then I'm going to be die and it's going to go to who? My kids? Well, I had to work hard for that money. I want to expose them to stuff. I want them to you know, uh, travel and have memories that they're going to have the rest of their life versus here's 100,000 that I worked hard for, and we never went anywhere, and <laughs> you know, and we never went on vacation. But now you have this money, and I'm gone, and now you can pay off a student loan with it. Or. And our theory
0: is that being financially wise is what allows you to do that, to live mm-hmm. that type of way. I mean, we would be in a much better financial position if we had never done the B-score for three years, but we wouldn't have traded that service for anything. That was a fantastic experience for us. That was well worth the setting us behind a little bit. But,
1: mm-hmm. but really you know, it's values. a trade-off, yeah. and. Um, I bet that it, ha- it opened your world and, you know, it, it enriched your life. And that's how I feel like those are once-in-a-lifetime experiences that you don't get that often. And so you have to take advantage of them. But you knew that you were going to have to do that at the expense of maybe having this huge house and, you know, that you could have had back then or having 20000 extra in your savings account that you didn't spend because, you know, you guys were doing the Peace Corps.
0: Well, Michelle, thank you for spending the time. It's been yeah.
1: fun. Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to the podcast for Accrual World. Subscribe to download new episodes and go to acruelworldcoaching.com for more insights and to sign up for your online coaching session.